I just put slide rule to paper and designed the perfect mainstream EV. It's friggin' perfect, this vehicle. And nobody is making it. Not yet, anyway. It's more of a feasibility study at this stage, really, but let's not split hairs. This is a massive automotive industry opportunity. Details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, but you know, this report concerns a car you cannot actually yet purchase. The beer garden physics of this, you know, what makes my perfect EV tick coming up in just a second. No car maker is apparently interested in making this car perversely. Chinese MG just launched its first EV here in Shitsville. 44,000 bucks drive away. Pretty sharp price for an EV. 45 kilowatt hours too in that car. 260 k's of range on the WLTP cycle, but they say it's more like 370 k's with maximum regen in stop-start shitty city traffic. Try saying that with a bottle of Glenfiddich on board. 7.2 kilowatts of maximum charge acceptance capability. That's pretty impressive. About 30 amps single phase. Hashtag Australia. About seven hours from flat to full. So it's a sleep on it kind of proposition. This thing is called the MGZS EV. It's the cheapest EV in the nation. Although they would probably say most affordable. MG is apparently doing all it can here to help make Australia less shit. Hashtag important, hashtag respect. But hey, as your next prime mincer, I know that I can do even better with EVs. I remain the ultimate EV skeptic. I do not worship at the church of electric Jesus and I never frigging will. And yet I've been driving a Hyundai Kona electric for about 6,000 Ks now or something, and I do enjoy driving it. I really do. I love not going to the filling station. Nostalgia factor there. Minus 273 degrees C on the warmest possible day. And I friggin' love the way that Kona EV gets off the mark. It's silent but deadly. Peak torque at zero RPM. Awesome. To 50 Ks an hour, it rocks and I've never needed it to take me more than 450 kilometres in a day. It's pretty good on the highway too. I've been doing that a lot lately. When I have occasionally run it down to under 10% of remaining charge, it still charges up overnight on a single phase 240 volt 32 amp charger that's just outside the fat cave door there. That's like maxed out at home charging for the Kona, 7.7 .7 kilowatts. It's like set and forget, go to sleep, wake up, ready to rock. Brilliant, right? I like not contributing to air pollution in our cities, at least in that car. In the other two big diesel tanks in the driveway, well, hey, call me a hypocrite around all of that. And energy security for Shitsville, so important. EVs certainly have a niche carved out and well-defined role to play there, even though our grid remains embarrassingly filthy on the world stage. But there is an EV elephant in this room, okay? The fundamental impediment to the mainstream adoption of EVs is the price. 
The mighty Kona Electric is $25,000 more than its equivalent petrol counterpart. Like, its mid-40s drive away for the 1.6 turbo petrol Highlander and about 70 grand for the EV. This is a massive monetary hit. They're in different universes on the pricing scale. The petrol MG ZS is 17,000 bucks cheaper than the EV equivalent. Only a proper EV zealot with cash to burn can justify this, right? Or perhaps a business which is looking to wear its green credentials on its sleeve. And look, there's nothing wrong with doing that if you want to. Economic rationalism is not a prerequisite for owning a vehicle or anything else from, I don't know, an Amiga watch to Christian Libertine shoes. What I'm saying here is that economic irrationalism limits the number of EV sales that can be made, ultimately. For most of us, you know, the people with budgets and commitments, people like that out there, mainstream society members, the price premium is just impossible to justify. Currently impossible. Like, look at the opportunity cost, right? What else would you do? with the 17 to 25 grand you'd save on the petrol version. And most people would say, I'd do plenty. And this is the core problem, which orbits not just the Kona Electric or the ZS EV, but also the shitbox Leaf, the Ionic Electric, and Tesla has it bad, as does the three-pronged suppository and its EQ, whatever, bad taste lineup, and every other EV currently available. Your accountant, cannot make this a sensible proposition in the domain of making the numbers add up. Every manufacturer is bringing EVs in as a premium transportation option, the virtue signalling flagship. And the only two ways to make this work on the corporate side are to charge a bomb and just trickle EVs through to receptive wealthy zealots and let market forces work it all out ultimately or they could petition the government to subsidise EVs and take them mainstream. They did that in Norway. They removed what we would call the GST. They gave EV buyers free parking in Oslo. They exempted EVs from paying tolls, etc. They gave them free charging too, I think. So an e-golf in Norway was artificially cheaper than an internal combustion golf, and you got to park it for free and drive on toll roads for free and charge it for free, like that. Artificial economic rationalism, right? Taxpayer subsidised economic rationalism. And there's two problems with that for Australia. I don't actually see ScoMo advocating for that anytime soon, right? Not with that lump of coal on his desk as a stark reminder of who's actually running the joint. In South Australia, like today, earlier this morning, I had to edit the script for this. South Australia, which bought that big battery from Electric Jesus to prop up the grid for, I don't know, three or four seconds if the pilot light ever goes out. Liberal treasurer today, Rob Lucas, is actually proposing the world's first EV tax, which is the exact opposite of subsidies, right? It's thought to be about 500 bucks per vehicle to compensate the government for lost revenue from fuel excise. Well done there, bucking that global trend to make EVs happen, Jesus. Secondly, of course, we would need to debate logically, using facts, 
and reason whether or not this actually is a socially altruistic and worthwhile use of consolidated revenue. The facts and reason part is increasingly a challenge, right? With all this shouting going on. Like perhaps the greater good would be better served if we just made the grid a little bit greener more rapidly. And this made me think, what if there were a better EV that we could build? What if the car industry took its head out of its ass, however momentarily, and stopped making these somewhat irrelevant evangelists' EVs, the virtue-signalling flagships, and instead made the EV that people like you and me actually need with a balance sheet that actually balanced, as opposed to the zealot magnets of today. What I'm talking about here is a new EV segment, the shitbox EV. I want one already. A fairly nasty second car. A runaround with minimal features and low cost and not all that much range because it's unnecessary. Just right for driving around in built-up areas as a kids' school delivery and recovery platform, right at home in a commuter car park or at the local shopping mall. A device with roughly the raw sex appeal of a sandwich press. My hypothesis here is that every EV currently sold here makes crap primary transportation and it cannot do it all, whatever it all is, for all people, but it might be okay as a fairly shitty second runaround for the hack work. Okay, I can see EVs filling a very valuable niche here and they're currently unavailable for that because of the price. Talking about a device for which the primary purpose is simply to take the load off your fairly nice liquid-fueled premium car, right? I actually think this is economically rational already, and the numbers seem to add up, even though no car maker is apparently doing it. So, let us step into the beer garden and do the requisite bloke physics. I do love these beer garden physics segments. Nothing excites me more than grabbing hold of the mighty King Dick... Oh, ratcheting podger. Today's flavour, 18 and 24 millimetres. I mean, feel this. Oh, that's so good. This device serves as the perfect lecturing pointer, of course, coined as the Roger Podgerson by a lady named Anne Mickelson. I gotta say, I wish I'd been smart enough to think about that, but credit where it's due, the Roger Podgerson. <laughs> now, in designing the perfect EV, I thought, why not start by thinking like a car maker, only without the rabid obsession to sell everything by the 30th of the month or something, okay? So the, the EV that I am most familiar with, and it's like the fifth or sixth EV I've driven now, is the Kona EV. And what Hyundai obviously did was they started with the petrol Kona, they took the whole platform and they said, well, what have we got to do to DIY an EV out of that? Just like you would in the driveway at home, only with tremendously more researchers and access to a bunch more propeller heads than you and your mates. Okay, so essentially they got to lose a bunch of stuff, didn't they? Firstly, they threw away everything they didn't need, like an internal combustion engine for about 100 kilos and the transmission and all-wheel drive system out of the 1.6 turbo for about 80 kilos. They lost the entire fuel system, the heaviest part of which is obviously the tank and the fuel for about 60 kilos. And they also chucked away the spare wheel and tyre for about 
I don't know, 20 kilos or something. So if I ballpark all of them and add them up, they lost 260 kilos-ish of mass. So they threw away a quarter of a tonne, roughly. But they added a big fat battery because they wanted a lot of range with this car. So the battery weighs 450 kilos because batteries are not that energy dense in comparison with the liquid fuels, at least. And it adds a shitload of cost as well because batteries are expensive. Like, just go to Bunnings and go and get a replacement battery for a power tool. Jesus. Batteries are expensive things, right? They also had to add a motor and an inverter. So they took out about 260 kilos and they added about 500 with a net deficit of about 240. So the mass went up by 240 and the price went up by 25 grand and I'm tipping that they would have kept that price as low as they could and still have a economically rational pricing structure okay so the combustion Kona is about 1500 kilos and the mass of the EV is about 1740 and that's where this extra 240 kind of went. It's the difference just between these components, obviously. So this is kind of a problem and the problem orbits the battery because the battery delivers the range and there's no new technology on the, on the horizon that's really going to change the energy density, mass and cost equation for batteries, at least none that I can see anytime soon. Just thinking about the Kona EV by beer garden physicist sort of standards, what makes it different? It's heavier, it's got less range. And it's got less range because it's already got a dirty big battery. 64 kilowatt hours is a shitload of electrical energy, but it's not that much energy in the context of liquid fuels, okay? Because the energy density of batteries is so much lower. And this pumps up the mass because you need seven kilograms of battery for every one of these 64 kilowatt hours of energy. And if you're a little bit hazy about kilowatt hours and kilowatts, it's just like this. Power is what punts you down a drag strip quickly, okay? More power, faster quarter mile time, faster overtaking, faster acceleration, okay? subject to maintaining acceptable grip for tractive effort, okay? But the same amount of energy is essentially required to do particular jobs, and the difference is if you do it quickly, you need more power, okay? An example of this is Fat Man running up the fire escape to the top of a 10-storey building or something of that nature. If he does it slowly, you can tell that he's unfit, okay? But that just means he's not able to exert power as effectively as a similar mass human who is fit and they can get up there quickly because they're more powerful. Those are strictly correct physics lab type expressions of the different things. It takes the same amount of energy to get a 100 kilo man to the top of a 10 kilo building, but if he does it quickly, he's more powerful than the dude who does it slowly. That's how this works. Kilowatt hours is energy and kilowatts is power. So when you get your quote unquote power bill from the electricity utility mob, you're actually getting an energy bill because they don't care how quickly you burn it, how many lights you put on, how powerful the lights you are, whatever. They just care how much energy of theirs you have used that they can bill you for. So it's not a power bill. It's an energy bill. That's just that. The thing to remember is that this relatively heavy battery essentially is the harbinger of 
economic irrationalism for the Kona. It doesn't mean that it's not a good car and you're not going to enjoy driving it. It just means it's going to be really expensive in comparison to the petrol one. Here's where we all earn our PhDs in beer garden physics today, okay? Because this is a little bit hard to wrap your brain around, but not too hard. If you want to design the perfect EV, you have to have some sort of benchmark. And I came up with this one from first principles. And if you have been uh, specifically trained in physics, you know, applied physics or something at university, and I'm getting this wrong, do let me know. Or at least let's have a discussion about it because I don't claim to be the oracle on this. This just makes sense to me. I've come up with this concept called specific energy, which puts the pegs in the ground so you can normalise existing EVs and figure out what the design parameters are. And essentially, specific energy is just how many kilowatt hours or how many watt hours of energy is required to take one tonne of EV one kilometre. And then what we can do when we know that is we can dick around with the mass and the range and we know how much battery we're going to need, okay? So the fundamentals of this is energy is force times distance. Kids learn that at school, okay? And the force in the context of transportation is really related, not so locked in mathematically in strict lockstep kind of proportion, but it's related to the mass of the vehicle in most contexts. Like in the context of rolling resistance. If you've got a one-ton car and a two-ton car and you need to push each one across the workshop floor, you're just overcoming the rolling resistance. And I know which one's going to be easier. It's going to be the one-ton car, right? So the rolling resistance of a car is related to its mass. And if you're punting the car up some hill, obviously the component of gravity that you have to work against to get up to the top, that's related to the mass. It's strictly related to the mass in the case of gravity. And the mass of the vehicle is also related to its size, okay? And the size is related to its aerodynamic drag, if everything else is equal. They did the same job in R&D, whatever. So really, our energy consumption of our car is related to the mass. So it's really energy per tonne, per kilometre, okay? That's what we need, the specific energy. And when I had a look at Kona EV and the Ionic and even the Model S for something completely different, I got 82 watt hours for every tonne kilometre. With the Kona, I got 78 for the Ionic and I got 94 and a half for the Tesla Model S. And I assume this is because it has more robust components inside it to deliver that supercar style performance that the Model S is renowned for. Okay, that kind of makes sense. You need more energy to get it a tonne kilometre because of some intrinsic difference with that vehicle. It's not necessarily because they did the design badly. It's because I think the intent of the vehicles is probably a little bit different. Anyway, the ballpark for our mainstream EV, I know we can achieve what we need if we run with 80 watt hours of required energy for every tonne that we need to take a kilometre. And then what we've got to do is figure out how heavy we want our perfect EV to be and what the range needs to be. Because then we're going to need, we will know how much energy we need to stick in the battery and that's going to define the cost and the mass. It's obvious to me that the perfect vehicle needs the perfect name. I mean, otherwise you're just not doing it justice. And that name needs to be absolutely aligned philosophically with the intent and the purpose of that perfect vehicle. And I went through dozens of names that didn't fit, and then I came up with one that was just like the glove, okay? I give you the Chitois from the French, meaning 
nasty EV that you thrash without taking very good care of for 10 years and then it dies and you just get it recycled, dude, okay? And it doesn't need to be big and it doesn't need to be luxurious because it's just my second car, all right? And I'm just going to go to Bunnings or go to the shops or whatever. And if the kids sort of vomit partly digested chocolate residue from the 12 Mars bars they snuck in just before taking them down to Bunnings for a sausage... Do I care? Not really. Because the chooks that I keep in the friggin' thing will probably clear the mess up nicely overnight. Yes. It only needs to go about 120 kilometres, and that's excessive because, hey, it's three times the national daily driving average, according to Ausstats, okay? 38 kilometres, the average car does in Australia every day. So... This is excessive to most people's requirements. Nice little car would be just fine. It'll just fit in and you don't need to care about it. The chitois. And the reason for doing all of that physics about specific energy is just that I know that this 80 watt hours per tonne kilometre is achievable. And therefore, now that I know how many tonnes and how many kilometres and how that relates to the energy requirement to move that around then I can figure out how big the battery needs to be I just go 80 times 1 ton times 120 kilograms kilometers is about 10 kilowatt hours right and it's 9.6 or something right so let's just round it up and put a 10 kilowatt hour battery in our chitois and because I know that it's seven kilos roughly for every kilowatt hour of battery capacity, that's only going to add about 70 kilos to my vehicle, you know, and that's kind of trivial. It's not like where do we put this 450 kilogram BM off of a battery. It's just, you know, about the same size as a spare tire or something, you know, so we just ditch that and stick the battery in there. And Given that the size is roughly proportional to the price and the 25 grand extra for the Kona EV is largely the battery, then it's only going to add about four grand versus a comparable petrol, I hesitate to use the word chitois because it's disrespectful, but chitois-sized internal combustion engine vehicle, okay? And look at it like this. It's a sixth of the Kona battery, That's got implications for mass, price, charge time and maintenance costs. Like if the battery were to die, I'd be much happier to spend four grand or something on a replacement battery and keep my chitois going for another five years, whatever, than I would if it's 20 grand. Yeah, that's going to make a big difference to me. So I looked at it like this. I could get my Picanto GT, which is going to cost about 21 and a half. And if I turned it into the Chitois because I had access to, I don't know, endless R&D, I could probably flog that to the public for 25 and a half. And I'd suggest that it would sell its tits off because it's an affordable, useful second car that you never have to go to the filling station for. And that's a plus. Have you ever enjoyed being in your internal combustion second car with the kids in the back just on the cusp of having a tantrum in the middle of summer and the ice cream is melting and the bacteria in the chicken is breeding and you got to stop for fuel, right? I don't know anybody who's ever enjoyed that and certainly I've never enjoyed that. So I'd put it to you that the Chitois EV is the perfect replacement car for that kind of proposition. It's dirty and trashy and unloved and hey, that's okay. That's all it's ever aspired to be. It's also affordable. Yes, an affordable EV finally. And it's compatible with like 80% of the driving that 80% of us do. 
And I know if you live in Dingo Piss Flat or something and it's 200 kilometres to the nearest grocery store, then okay, Chitwa EV, absolutely not for you. But versus a premium evangelical EV that is just objectively not as good as an internal combustion car in many respects, then I'd suggest that the Chitwa EV has unlimited commercial appeal. Like, an evangelical EV can only ever appeal to a niche market of customers, and eventually, with the proliferation of premium EVs, that saturation point will exist. And where do you go from there? You know, you've got to move into the Chitois. You've, there has to be a Chitois EV segment eventually, otherwise these things will not proliferate. And these absolutely make economic rational sense in the same way that a premium EV just eats a big bag of economically irrational dicks. I'd put it to you that the mighty Chitois is a car that would charge up from dead flat in practically no time using a standard 10 amp domestic outlet which will take you three times the national daily driving average between recharges, it would be instantly affordable and go a long way to catalyzing the critical mass of EVs we would need globally to roll out proper infrastructure and support to take them fully mainstream. Now, you might be a paid-up member of the cult we call Tesla, hell-bent on kissing the ring of electric Jesus. Yes. But I put it to you that the Model S after which you lust is not, in fact, the perfect EV. The perfect EV for the world is the Chitois. Tesla remains a sideshow at best. Like last Friday, during an investor conference, Toyota president Akio Toyota was asked about Tesla's success and its incredible market capitalization. He responded somewhat reluctantly, they have not created a real business in the real world yet. They are trying to trade recipes. The chef is saying our recipe is going to become the standard of the world in the future. Mr. Toyota's point was essentially mine about the whole sideshow thing. Tesla is tapping into a niche market of rich evangelical electric nuts, prepared to suspend objectivity and burn cash on an entirely faith-based concept one which makes no economic sense. If you spray yourself with evangelism off, which is itself a derivative of my award-winning heavy-duty 2020 FO, which was jointly designed with renowned investigative journalist and lubrication aficionado Cletus Van Dam to make Australia less shit. It's pretty damn obvious that an EV is in fact already the perfect Nasty second car, a nasty chitois that you don't really give a crap about, which bakes in the sun and freezes in winter and lives under the tree outside, the better for the parrots to crap over it incessantly and, hey, it never gets a wash unless, of course, it rains, much less a polish. Unlike Cletus, he's subscribed to polishondemand.com. I think it's complimentary for a dude with his profile anyway. The buffing, like, it just gets thrown in for Cletus. It's great. The Chitois EV is the perfect, affordable, dirty, trashy, soulless domestic hack. 
like a tumble dryer, only with wheels and a battery. I love it already because the Chitois fits into the motoring landscape like fishnets on Cletus, and it overcomes the primary impediment to the mainstream proliferation of EVs by actually making economic sense now. So move over, Model S and Cybertruck. It's time to usher in an EV that actually matters. The mighty Chitois, the little engine that could. A 21st century Datsun 120Y or Hyundai Getz, minus the tailpipe emissions and the need to attend the filling station. Now, I do expect rather a tsunami of hate for daring to say all of this, Please don't disappoint me in the comments below because I'm kind of looking forward to it. But don't bother using facts if you want to repudiate my position on the Chitois. If you try that, you might actually discover that they are not on your side. 